doing well, so, yeah. pretty good so far. <laughs> Great. Yeah. I wanted to welcome everybody to um, today's topic is women in economic development and women in business. Uh, my name is uh, Dan Taylor, and I also have uh, Lara Fritz with me, who is uh, co-modding, and uh, Bob may or may not join us as well. Um, why, don't, uh, why don't you introduce yourself, Lara, and uh, if you want to set the stage, and I can complement any uh, room setting that we require. Great. Well, thanks, Bob. I'm Lara Fritz, and I am currently a consultant with a company called Aspira USA and shortly we'll be relocating for a new economic development opportunity which I'm very excited about and I am so excited to have my dear friend Brenda on the stage with us. Brenda do you want to introduce yourself? Thank you. Hi I'm the assistant director Brenda Hicks Brenda Hicksorenson so I'm knocking everything over as I'm speaking. Sorry Brenda Hicksorenson I I'm with the city of Fort Worth in Texas as the assistant economic development director and have been here for just over five years. Hey. Great. Yeah, it's, well, it's great to have you, Brenda. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set the room so that uh, people know sort of the, the lay of the land and, and we'll get right into it. So uh, we record um, these sessions, so be aware of that and we turn them into podcasts, so we distribute them on social media. As, as mentioned, today's topic is women in economic development and business, and this is a, 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 an open conversation, so please uh, raise your hand to come up on stage and participate, and we may ask you to come up as well. Um, if you ha haven't met any of the people on stage or within the call, we highly suggest that you, you follow all of them. If you are enjoying the conversation, there's a plus sign at the bottom and uh, you can press that and ping other people, which basically means you invite them. Um, if you did want to speak, there is a hand over a little tablet and you press that and we will see that and we will bring you up on stage. And uh, I think that's, that's about it. Um, Lara, did you want to um, either get the ball rolling or, or put a question out there to get us started? Sure. So I see so many fabulous women who have joined us for this call. Um, and so I'd love to hear from you. What has been your biggest challenge this week being a woman in business and economic development? And Brenda, I'm going to throw that question to you to get us started. Um. So I had a challenge earlier this week in which I was, of course, the only female in the room. Um, and this was an in-person meeting, uh, one of our first ones where there were several of us uh, talking about a pretty significant project and just being heard. I felt like, um, you know, I kept being interrupted and um, mind you, I probably had some of the longest tenure in economic development in the room. Um, and so I felt like I really had value to add and yet the men in the room continued to interrupt me or just talk over me. Um, and then I caught myself just kind of shutting down, which was just a frustration for my, for me, um, as someone who knew I could add significant value for the, to the conversation. Absolutely. 
And so when you encounter that moment where you're, you realize you're shutting down, what are some of the tools that you use to help re-engage yourself in that conversation? Sure. Well, I have some kind of mantras or quotes that are probably unfortunately a little um, inappropriate to share on a podcast or a public venue like this. Um, but it just reminding me that I am a strong woman. I know what I'm doing. I've been successful. So I kind of give myself a little pep talk. You know, usually it's only 10, 15 seconds and kind of remind myself that I do have that value and not to let others control that situation that I can kind of take back the control of it um, and make sure that I am adding value. So um, that usually is enough then for me to, to kind of shift my mindset back to, to focus on being a professional economic developer and not a woman economic developer. Uh, I'm wondering if I, I might ask a question. So I know when uh, Bob and I, hosted this call a couple months back, we were a bit, um, uh, not shy is the wrong word, but you know, again, it, it, because we're men, um, it, it, I don't want to say it's difficult, but uh, we just have a different view of the world and experiences. So I really appreciate, Brenda, what you were sharing. And I, I guess I, I'm not exactly sure what my, my, my question is, but I mean, there must be this sense of frustration. Do you think men are either doing it like overtly intentionally more subconscious like what do you think is actually happening I, I i'd be curious about that i'd like to understand a little bit better and and possibly even learn sure in the case with these gentlemen in the room i do not think it was intentional i think they just you know were fo were focused and it's a it was a very interesting project um i you know so i think they were just really focused on wanting to make sure they had they said what they felt they needed to say um i certainly don't think it was intentional in fact it's when i brought it up to one of the gentlemen after the meeting um kind of reminding him that i was the project lead and that i felt a, a little disappointed in how it went. He was absolutely clueless. I mean, just really had no idea that it had happened. And then he came back to me a bit later after I think reflecting on it and apologized and said, you know, that he definitely realized after I had made the comment that it had happened. Um, but so I definitely don't think it was anything intentional. Um, and, and they were very respectful when I did, again, kind of shift my mindset and kind of refocus, um, you know, I, I did feel that I added value and there was a lot of really good conversation. Um, so nothing, I don't think nothing rude or intentional for sure. But I love the fact that you addressed it with them after the meeting to just say, hey, you know, heads up, <laughs> make you aware of this. Because I think a lot of times there's sort of a, like you said, it wasn't intentional, but they don't even realize they're doing it because it's almost out of habit. And so the fact that you drew attention to it, maybe will make them more aware the next time they're in a meeting with you. I would hope. I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Lara. And 
One of the things I learned in our last call, so it's interesting, uh, I think you used the term they weren't even aware, which I think is the, pro- I don't know if it's the problem, but it's part of the problem. I, I listen to a lot of Deepak Chopra, so I always hear awareness <laughs> uh, when that term comes up. So part of the problem is um, if men see the lens through the lens from which they see things, and perhaps they're not even um, overtly disrespectful or overtly um, uh, dismissive, I mean, this is still a challenge uh, because it's happening. And I think what I'm hearing, it wasn't happening amongst the men because it sounded like the men were focused in and somehow getting their 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 information out. I, I I'm just curious. Does anybody have any thoughts to, like, how do we, how do we get, how do we move past that? Because at some point, like, how do we move I, past that? Yeah. I have an idea, Dan. Like, like I I really think that uh, Brenda addressing it is the is the answer. I think the the world would be a way better place if we would just talk about. The issues. I, I really like the way that you talked about the lens because automatically we all look at the world through our own lens. And 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 I think understanding that men and women fundamentally think differently and see things differently. Uh, I, I think we just have to know that and be willing to face the confront, like to confront the problem. In in and that comes down to you know, being brave to do it like Brenda was. I, I Kudos to you, Brenda. I think this is something that I, I am a woman, but I also struggle with interrupting. And I was recently diagnosed with ADHD. It's something I'm pretty open about. I wonder if it's a dif- just difference of communication style. Sometimes I notice guys interrupting each other too, so they don't take it personally and figuring out what ground rules there should be in a conversation, which is easier to do if you're the project lead, but having these discussions are really important because I've been known to interrupt if I get carried away, which is why I appreciate the mute feature in rooms such as this and on Zoom and on other virtual spaces. I th- I think it's, it's Laura here from the city of Aurelia. I think um, the other thing is, um, I, I feel that it's not fair to put the total onus on women. Uh, So the reason I say that is I've been in some really uncomfortable conversations and, you know, I've had a situation where somebody said, you know, I think we should, I think we should let the the man in our department take this one because of, you know, cultural differences. And I had to have a very, you know, uncomfortable conversation because of that. So that distracted me from my work and, and I shouldn't be the one having that conversation. I think it should have been the person who said that to me, that's taking the time to become aware and have awareness. And Dan, to your point in terms of, you know, is it intentional or isn't it intentional? It's almost easier to address when it is intentional. I can address when, when somebody says this is because of gender, that's really easy, uncomfortable, but straightforward to address head on. When it's systemic, so where, where, for example, I'm in a meeting and I'm the senior most manager there and I'm asked to take notes or do we have any coffee? Um, and that still happens in 2021. Um, you know, it, that's that's a little bit harder to explain why, you know, I, I'm not going to go get you coffee. I'm the senior manager and I need to focus on the advice I'm, I'm providing at this meeting. Um, the other thing just in that vein of thinking is I think it would be really helpful if more men were aware that they have more to learn. So I'm looking at the attendance for this session and I, I can't just go by photos and, and, and names. I understand that. 
that. But based on what I'm seeing at a preliminary first glance, there's there's it looks like there's three men in, in this discussion. And I think that uh, one of the things that's most frustrating to me and I think to women in, in business in general is that a lot of issues, because they primarily affect women, are considered to be gender issues. So I'll use the example this week of childcare. So when the, the Ontario government announced that they would be funding uh, childcare programs, uh, that primarily impacts women because women are still primarily are the, the family caregivers. But having women at home, having women step back from businesses that they've started impacts our entire economy. And so when I scroll through Twitter, I'm seeing women say, I'm emotional. I've been fighting for this for 10 years. I'm actually crying at this news. You're not seeing the same awareness from men. You're not seeing the same celebration in the media in terms of how this will impact our broader economy because it's still seen as a women's issue. And that's Laura and I'm done speaking. That's such a good point, Laura. And Carrie, it looks like you wanted to chime in on this conversation. Yeah, sure. It's it's a great conversation. And uh, so this is Carrie Ramsey. I'm uh, the project manager for the Weekend Project at Queen's University, which leads the Women Entrepreneurship Strategy in the greater Kingston, Ontario region. Um, so it's very interesting because I'm surrounded in, by women entrepreneurs all day and women leaders, you know, oftentimes only women. And it's so interesting when I step into other meetings, how I immediately notice exactly what I believe it was Brenda signaled was happening to the point where I, I think you used the word shut down. I literally left, it was a Zoom meeting, thankfully. So I just, I exited the meeting and I told uh, a colleague of mine about this afterwards. And she said, uh, it, it just highlighted the difference. And so I, I do want to acknowledge that first of all. And, and I think the systemic um, issue that's underlying this, which I mean, if nothing over the past year, we have been become very mindful, I hope most of us of the systemic biases that are happening in our systems. And I love this idea of um, it, it, I'm, I, no one can forget Kamala Harris standing up and saying, I'm speaking. Uh, if, if everyone remembers that that meme and the pose, if I had it on a poster, I would put it on my wall because I think that's exactly what needs to happen. To for that to happen, um, it does require women, first of all, to have that boldness. And if I could re refer you to a resource, um, there's a great book called Radical Candor by Kim Scott, uh, which I suggest anyone, male or female, read. But it's um, it's written by her how she had some issues with speaking up and, and being bold. And now she has created an entire movement around this idea of, you know, building a radically candid culture, which is healthy, but where women don't feel they have to bring this up outside the meeting. During the meeting, they can pull a Kamala Harris and say, I'm sorry, I'm not sorry, not I'm sorry, but I am speaking. And uh, to, to command the room. And I think that, you know, I work with women entrepreneurs every day. Um, some of them have that mindset that needs to still shift to believing they belong at the table and, um, and that their voice must be respected. So some are getting there. There's others like those in the room who, who know they belong at the table but don't want to rock the boat or, you know, we don't want to be seen as um, disturbing, uh, you know, the status quo, which, of course, is the biggest enemy here. So I'm Carrie Ramsey and I'm done speaking. Thank you. Carrie, I love that. And you said something that really struck ladies on the stage to talk to, which is this always feeling the need to say, I'm sorry. 
because um, it, it, it was funny that you caught yourself saying it, Carrie. Because um, well, I, I am I am Canadian, so I I I, I have a double whammy there. So. <laughs> but it's true. I think as women, we're always apologizing. You know, I'm sorry, but I do want to add to this or I'm sorry I can't make that meeting or I'm sorry I've got to take my child to an event there's always this I'm sorry that predicates anything and everything we say and so ladies I would love to get your perspective on how do we start to not apologize for things I'll chime in and just say how I've worked on this because it, it was something that when I was still a, a professor um, at our local college that I, I, I teach speech and I teach public speaking. And so we were becoming mindful of words that we use a lot, whether it's ums and ahs and, you know, preparing students and leaders to go out. And we all were talking in the class about how much we use sorry, um, uh, you know, as Canadians in this particular case. And, um, and so we just became more mindful of it. And since I did that, um, I have become more mindful of not only the word sorry, but other words like in an email, if I'm saying just a note to say, taking out the word just, because just even diminishes what we're about to say. So there's, there's a lot of great articles online about these little words that have creeped into our vernacular, I think largely as women, I will say that as a woman, because I don't hear guys apologizing as much or saying just a note to say, you know, as if it's insignificant. So I believe that truly it's a matter of giving yourself a list of even if it's one or two or five words that these are words that make me sound like I don't belong at the table or I don't feel as confident and just being super mindful and catching yourself or even having an accountability partner if it's you know could be my husband or my kids and say you know what i'm gonna have like a swear jar anytime i use that word can you please signal that to me and i'll be honest i i, I catch myself you noticed i caught myself earlier when i said i'm sorry because i, I heard it and i was like no 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 <laughs> and so i think that it's just simply taking ownership of that and language shapes the world we live in and and i think it shapes the way that uh, others treat us as well this is carrie and i'm done speaking for now that's so true, I, carrie oh and laura you want to add if that's okay uh and i just did it just now if that's okay um i think that carrie makes such a good point in terms of the importance of language and it's funny and i i don't even know if if men understand that this happens but women now are told, you know, think about how a man would do it. So if you're writing an email, you wouldn't see a man adding exclamation marks and you wouldn't hear a man saying, oh, I just want to check in. And, um, you know, there's a book called Nice Girls Don't Get the Corner Office. And there was a whole section in there about baking and how women shouldn't bring baking into the office because then they're seen as, you know, this maternal presence versus, you know, a man would never bring baking into the office. So it's funny how, um, society is now saying, you know, if you want to be taken more seriously, you need to act like a man versus you can be, you can be a woman, you can be feminine, you can have these traits and still deserve to be taken seriously as well. And this is Laura and I'm done speaking. Thank you. I love that, Laura. You're right. We should never lose sight of the fact that we are incredibly strong, wonderful women. Um, one thing that I heard recently, and I love this comment about the, I'm, I'm sorry. And it was, Turn the phrase into something positive. You know, when you walk into a meeting, if you're late, I don't apologize for being late, but thank them for waiting for you. 
you know, and I think that that's something that I've really taken to heart and I've watched, you know, as Carrie said, being very mindful of what I'm saying. And so saying thank you, thank you for waiting for me on that call. Thank you for, um, you know, participating in this conversation with me versus, oh, I'm sorry I was late. I'm sorry I did this. But really thanking people for being, you know, part of my, um, my experience. This is Brenda. I've caught myself doing that on email too. You know, oh, I'm sorry I didn't get back to you. Or instead I turn it around and, hey, thank you for reminding me or, Thank you for, um, you know, just just using different words and, and again, kind of turning it back on not apologizing for being busy or apologizing for missing something, you know, when it's been a day or not getting back to them in their perceived timeline type thing. Um, and I found that I feel better about it. And then I think I get better reactions too, because again, I don't know a lot of other people necessarily apologizing in their emails for not responding and i apologize but i have a 230 so i'm going to have to jump off and but i enjoyed my time with all of you amazing people so have a fantastic weekend thank you brenda Brenda. and i'll call you this weekend sounds good bye i wanted i wanted to comment on the sorry comment um so i i came across let's call it a meme it doesn't really matter and that's exactly what uh, the meme was saying is instead of apologizing, um, you, you can thank you. Was, so thank you for your patience. Thank you for understanding. Thank you for whatever. It does two things. Not only does it empower the person or if women are feeling they need to apologize, the, the woman, but it also it, it empowers the user like in a good way. And, and there's probably a better word uh, that I can't think of right now. So it doesn't put them in a place of power. It puts them in a place of uh, the opportunity to have compassion. So it, it kind of liberates both people. Um, I'm just going to reset the room and, uh, and then we'll continue this great conversation. Um, we are in the Dev Network uh, with the theme of women in economic development and business. My name is Dan Taylor. We have Lara Fritz and... Bob Minhas, who's joined us as well as um, moderators. And um, this uh, room is being recorded. Uh, We started at uh, 3.05 and we'll be ending at 4.05. Thanks everybody for joining us. Bob, did you wanna say uh, just a little hello and introduce yourself? Yeah, I'm so sorry I was late folks. My last call ran a bit long and uh, I I really appreciate being here and being part of the conversation. I, you know, I, I try. I tend to be more a listener on this subject because the last time we, we had this subject, I learned so much immense, immensely from it. But I wanted to add one interesting anecdote for me personally is I, I grew up with a single mom. I was raised by my mom for the most part. And when you folks started talking about this concept of apologizing more than necessary, I have to be honest with you. So growing up with a single mom, I've actually incorporated a lot of her behaviors and how I operate regardless of masculine or feminine it's what i thought was the norm because my mom had that tendency to apologize and it's amazing to me that i i do that i i i apologize on emails i i bring in uh baked goods not goods i bake myself but like it's interesting how i've incorporated a lot of behaviors from my mom in my life that i've not even realized so as you as you guys are highlighting it here i'm really having this aha so I thank you for calling that out. Like, it's really interesting to note how how ingrained it is in our culture, and we're not even 
realizing it. So I just wanted to share that anecdotal story there. Thank you. Uh, I'm, this is Bob and I'm done speaking. And I, if I can add something even to that conversation, I didn't know we were going to go this deep on apologies, but it's it's a great topic. I think um, the the idea and it was mentioned earlier about having to act like a man when you're at the table or in the workforce, which, of course, just rubs me the wrong way entirely, because I mean, it's it, that it, that in itself is like a giant apology. I am so sorry for being a woman. If only I were a man, I would be taken seriously. No, no. Rather backing that up to arrive unapologetically and move unapologetically throughout our day and our life, celebrating the things that make us, you know, who we are, whether that is bringing a baked good and not apologizing or crying because, you know, maybe a client had a particularly, you know, terrible story they share with us and, it, and not a, apologizing because that is an innate part of the emotional character and physiology of being female, not perhaps all 100% females. Again, there's differences in, in folks. But I mean, the idea that I'm going to move through my day unapologetically, it, it reframes everything. It really does. It, it, it helps us appreciate men more, I think, for, you know, some of and the men that might be on my team that what they bring to the table. But I certainly don't have to be like them to succeed or be a leader. And, and so I think that when we sort of remove that cloak of apology, we can, you know, just, that's, I think, what we need for the equality to happen. It's, we don't show up differently. We show up 100% ourselves, and it's, um, and it's enough. My name's Carrie, and I'm done speaking. And it's enough. Oh, Carrie, I love that so much. Can I was I just going to add. Oh, yeah, Laura. I was just going to add to what Carrie said, and I think that that's such a good way to look at, to go about things in terms of being unapologetic. And I wonder if that's an opportunity as well, if we look at things through that perspective. Uh, there was a question earlier in terms of how we address this issue when some of these systemic issues come up. And if, if maybe we're looking at things through that perspective, we're not apologetic, it will help us explain things. Um, so one area, Dan, you had asked, you know, if it's intentional or if it's not intentional. Um, I was working on behalf of a manufacturing association and a construction association, and I had been on both boards for a couple of years. And it's funny because I ended up, our, our major networking event for the year is always golf. And that tends to be, uh, that tends to be one of the major networking events that still happens across a range of organizations. And if you look at the demographics of who plays golf, it, that does really cater to the male demographic. So I always found myself in this role where, where I was doing the sign-in for the golf versus playing the golf. And that really put me at a disadvantage from a business development perspective because I wasn't out on the course networking in the same way as my male colleagues because, it, that again, that, that sport is very uh, focused on men. So I think that's an area where if I felt less apologetic, I could have said, Hey, doesn't it seem odd that you know a, half of our board is sitting in the in the golf course office while the rest are out golfing? Um, so I think that that's an area where if more people looked around them at networking events or on panel discussions or in meeting rooms, and if they see the demographic is is uh, is 
sorry, one demographic in the room, whether it's all men or all women, maybe ask yourself why that is and how you could attract more demographics. And that might mean changing up your networking space, uh, maybe moving the, the meeting time to a time that isn't dinner, which is often problematic for people that are raising families. Um, it could be accommodated in a range of different ways. And that's Lauren, I'm done speaking, thank you. Okay, thanks, Laura. I, want, I wanted to go back to this question again, and I'll only ask it one more time because I'm seeking the, not the truth, but the pathway. I really think part of the problem is there's this lack of awareness. Um, I'm sure no men think about golf as disadvantageous to, to women, and I'm not apologizing, uh, if you'll pardon the, the pun and the play on the theme, for men. So how do we, like, you know, I think of the, the drinking and driving campaign as a campaign that was effective to bring awareness to something. I mean, certainly diversity and inclusion are, are on the agenda. Uh, but is there a strong enough awareness presence out there? Uh, do we need to figure that out more? Is the onus on men to figure that out? Is it our collective onus? I'm... I'm really, I don't know the answer. I don't know that there's an easy answer. I, I'm just curious what people's thoughts are. I'm yeah. Dan and I'm done speaking. Oh, Dan, I love that so much because I think when we heard our friend Brenda speak earlier, one of the things she did is she addressed it with her colleagues. Um, and I think as women, we've tended, you know, we get mad in the meeting when we're talked over or whatever, and then we go and we stew about it. And then we carry on about our day, but we never really address the issue. And I think that the onus is on us to help make that change occur. Um, I know that, oh, and it looks like she's left the conversation. I was going to have, uh, look like me and Lisa was um, going to contribute. So I wanted to make sure she was aware that I saw her on the stage. Um, but, you know, I think it, it, the onus is on us as women to make sure that our counterparts are aware of how we're feeling. I wonder if we can turn it back around to you, Dan and Bob, because we're now down to two men on this call, if, I, if I'm reviewing this correctly. So how, how do we, how do we uh, approach men to be allies for women in economic development, or even beyond economic development? How do, we, how do we invite men to be part of the discussion and be interested in awareness so that the women professionals and business leaders in our community, um, so that their concerns are more understood? Uh, maybe I'll, I'll start. Um, you know, that's a really good question. So I, I, I think let's take the golf example and, and maybe there's a better way to have this conversation, but it, it's a place to start. So if every year there is a networking event that is golf, clearly 12 months in advance uh, as, a, as a female, uh, you would be aware of that and you would be aware of the situation. So unfortunately, I do think the onus to a certain degree may be on women. And I'm not comfortable with that, that the onus is, it doesn't seem fair, fair to me or balanced, but let, let's do this one thing at a time. So I think then it's not unlike what Brenda mentioned, is to bring it to the attention. But now it's a year event saying, hey, um, you may not be aware, but we have half, half the business makeup is women or a third of it, a significant portion. And most of them are not golfers. And most of them can't do uh, dinnertime uh, events because they're raising families. I'm wondering if we could do some other 
activity that feels and seems and is more inclusive. So I think, I guess it's addressing. I don't think that's the be all and the end all, but why don't I start the conversation there and um, either Bob, if you want to chime in or, or if some of the ladies want to give feedback, I, I, I'm really not sure what the answer is other than uh, what I learned in the previous conversation is uh, I'm relatively aware and I'm not so aware. Uh, and so I, I'm like guilty as charged. It looks like Sue wants to join us. Uh, I, I would like to add something because I, I, I feel for you, Dan, and, um, and everyone, really, because I feel like we're coming into a new age right now of awareness. Um, I know, um, had you asked me 15 years ago if there was, if about bias, I would have said, you know, men and women are equal. What do you mean? I mean, I've been very lucky as an entrepreneur to be able to um, succeed in, and, and, and I guess when I got invited in to learn about feminism and, and actually dug in and saw the facts and realized without doubt that there are huge biases. Another thing that I learned that there was that I have biases. And, um, and so even though I am 100% for everyone being equal, I myself treat my daughter different than I do my son. So I think number one, I think, you know, I, I like what Dan said about awareness. I, th I think we all need to be aware of our own biases. And the only way that we're going to do that is by educating ourselves. And I think the way that we get around um, around that is education, really, and talking about um, and making it real, like kind of what's happening right now, I think, um, with anti-black racism. I mean, I don't think that everybody should go burning things down, but, um, you know, this has been going on for 435 years or something. Uh, so, you know... I think we, we need to, I think women have to stand up when people cross the line. I think we have to be brave, but I also think that men um, need to educate themselves as to what is actually happening. And I, and I don't take it. I, and, and I think women need to try not to take it personally, because honestly, I don't want to stereotype because I know there's different people all across the spectrum from women to men. There's not like one man type, one woman type, but I feel like, just the natural attributes that we all bring to the table make us different. And, and I feel like we, I just feel like we, we need to be, the, the world would be better if we all realized that and work towards inclusivity and being more welcome and being more caring. And I feel like some of those values are eroding. I think they, a lot of them are eroding, but I also see the movement with the, um, to, to end systematic black uh, racism. Now we've got Asia, Asian ra racism. Um, and, and I think, you know, we're, we're changing now. I think everything's changing and it'll happen with awareness and education. Anyways, that Sue Sutcliffe, that's that. And I'm done talking. Yeah, and Sue, you're right. Education is really an important component. Um, in the state of Utah, there they started to notice that there was this deficiency of women at the top levels of corporate structures in the state and in political leadership. And so in 2015, they started an entity called the Women's Leadership Institute. And it was really to, the mission of it is to elevate the stature of female leadership in the state. Um, so not only did they see that there was a problem, but they really are working to address it. 
And I think that, I think as, again, leaders in our communities, we should be looking at examples like Women's Leadership Institute. And if you're interested in learning more, it's WLIUT.com. And bringing together women in our community to start to think about how do we get them on boards? How do we get them engaged in community organizations? How do we get them running for office? You know, I think we've seen a dramatic shift um, since the 2016 elections um, with more women running for office, but I think we're just really scratching the surface still. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I wasn't aware of that. That's awesome. Thank you, Laura, and thank you, Sue. I just wanted to, to in- contribute if I could, if that's okay. I think, you know, for a topic like this, my point of view tends to be a little bit more granular, um, only because I think, again, growing up with a single mom and, and you know, her, the matriarch of the family, one of the things I've learned over time, and I might be oversimplifying it, but this is sort of what my view is on it, is in my experience, men are like clay they learn based on what impacts them and again i'm not trying to shift blame i'm not trying to put the onus on anyone i can only tell you what i've learned over the years is when i understand when a cause or a challenge has some sort of impact on me whether direct or indirect that's when i've had the greatest mindset of shifts right when i when i realized um being able to create an environment that was inclusive of gender and uh, uh, culture, uh, it was amazing to me at how much more rich the conversations became. So, you know, for, I, I think when we say, you know, how do we talk to men about that? You know, again, I might be oversimplifying it. I can only give my point of view, which is a little bit simplistic. I don't know that talking is working. I think it needs to be experiential. How do we ensure that they understand what is the long-term effects of us not making this shift? right? Which is we are losing opportunity for great leadership. We're losing opportunity for diversity. We're losing opportunity to to just build a better experience, uh, not just for women, but for men as well. One of the things I say a lot is it's amazing. I've been really blessed with great female leaders in every economic development job I've had. I've always had a female manager. And though the insights I've gotten from that experience alone, just by being open to it, have been phenomenal. And then the other aspect to this I look at is generational. So I, uh, and again, I'm oversimplifying, I don't know that I look towards how can we help men in a, let's say, a boomer generation really understand this. My logic is, okay, that's sort of passing on. Certainly, we need to make impact now and we need to make change now. But I always look at what's the next generation of men? So how do we get millennial men to really understand this cause? And and what you, I don't know if you've noticed this, we're seeing that millennial men are, are obviously much more open to a different environment. They don't think like boomers. So, you know, the logic is how are we having those conversations with them? So with with boomer men, my oversimplification is how are we showing them the impact it's having on them? What is their opportunity cost of not making sure that women are a part of the conversation at the table? Uh, but for millennial men, it, now we can have those conversations. They're not so much worried about impact, making sure that they understand you know, what opportunities there are when they are inclusive and how much greater their environment can be with that. And then I think about young boys in in Gen X. So, you know, how are we having that conversation with them who are in, you know, junior school and helping them understand those differences? So 
I, I, I'm a hundred percent. I'm a, I'm a little anxious cause I by no means am an expert on this topic, but I, I know when I speak about my experience with my mom and growing up with a single mom, that's sort of the conclusions I've come up with is that, you know, it, it, there's sort of a different tiered approach that we need to bring to this to make sure that it's long-term and that's, it, it's sort of a, a greater impact over time. Um, and with that, uh, Oh, Laura, sorry. Did you want to add to the conversation? Yeah. And I think, Bob, I know I've had a lot of conversations with you and I know that you're always very um, sensitive and aware in terms of learning from other people and their perspectives. And I think that as uh, I think Sue had already mentioned, there needs to be more of that in terms of people being open minded. Um, but I think the other thing to keep in mind, I love the idea of how are we do how are we approaching things in terms of the younger generations? But I think the, the piece that's challenging for me is that um, a lot of the decisions that are impacting women are are made by um, people that are in current positions of power or at the executive uh, at the executive stage. So I think in Barrie, I believe just last year there was a study and it was women make 87 cents for every dollar that a man makes. And that's in Barrie. And I think, um, you know, those types of decisions, if we wait for the next generation to fix that, that's that's 20 years of women being at a disadvantage. And that's 20 years of women working at a rate lower than men. And, you know, it's challenging because I know I've been in a position where, uh, where, well, let me put this in a broader perspective. Uh, back when Kathleen Wynne was in power, she had brought forward legislation whereby an employer had to sh disclose the wage for a position. And that really uh, would make things a little bit more equal in terms of the negotiating power that women would, women would have, because studies show that men tend to be able to negotiate a higher salary. Um, so I think that uh, I think that you're right. We need to start looking at how we educate younger populations, but I also think there's a danger in waiting uh, because there's decisions being made now that are impacting women. No, you're 100 percent sorry. I, I when I was speaking, I clarify is a multi-tier approach. So with this current generation of men, how are we in, ensuring that we're showcasing to them what their opportunity cost? What are they missing? What are they losing out on? And, and that's just been my experience of that. My thought was of talking to the younger generation is that we don't want to have make this immense level of effort work. And then as a new series of generation gets into power, we've got to reset again. But to your, but thank you, Laura. I'm glad you you point this is just me being insecure because <laughs> i think that i think that maybe i wasn't clear but thank you laura for pointing that out really quick laura if you don't mind i'm just going to reset the room yes please okay so thank you everyone for joining us here on the call my name is bob minhas my co-hosts here are laura and dan and today we're talking about uh, women in economic development and business uh now this call is being uh, recorded our goal is to use this as a podcast in the future and if you have any questions on the bottom of this screen you'll see a hand icon with a notepad and if you press that that'll raise your hand and Laura Dan or myself can bring you on stage so that you can contribute to the conversation uh, when you do come onto the stage your mic goes live so just make sure that you hit the mute button right away uh, there is a plus sign on the bottom as well so if you find this topic immensely powerful or or want to invite some friends or colleagues to participate in the discussion please hit that plus sign and it'll allow you to ping uh, and invite folks uh, to join us in the conversation here as well. Uh, I think that's the reset, because I don't want to take too much time. I want to throw it back to Laura, if we could, and continue this amazing, or Carrie, Carrie, if you want to contribute to the conversation. 
Sure. Um, so I just thought I would jump in and mention uh, we're at a point in a moment in time right now, uh, not of our choosing because of the global pandemic. I think where a lot, well, not a lot, every company is questioning how it does things. And let's be honest, for a long time, the status quo worked. The status quo worked uh, in hiring processes and it worked in systems and it worked, you know, it just worked. And guess what? We're, it's not working anymore for a lot of people. And so I think there's this moment of time where actually the status quo is being challenged and we're seeing traditional type, in many cases, businesses go go out of business because they weren't ready or they weren't nimble enough to pivot you know but those businesses that are pivoting and that are i mean i'm sorry for that word it's another hated word of 2021 so let's say adapt uh the more you know the, the businesses that are able to adapt have been the ones that will be setting themselves up for the future to flourish so i think it's a great opportunity right now to question the status quo in other areas including hiring practices i mean many of us here are probably on different hiring committees at different times and i'm just getting ready to be on another one and the the idea and you know i've had some amazing training through queen's university for this and the idea that this question of well, how is this person going to fit in? You know, that used to be the question. Really, we're looking for someone who's going to fit in with the team, right? And how that basically is just a way of saying meets the status quo, rather than someone who's going to come in and give us a different perspective, someone who's going to come and doesn't look like us and doesn't talk with our accent and doesn't have our same background. I mean, we're, I mean, not, I'm not speaking for Queens in this instance, because I believe that they've done that for a long time. But I mean, there are a lot of companies now saying, We've got to hire different types of people who can, you know, help us to be more nimble. So at that same time, I'm just guess I'm saying as companies are questioning the status quo, which is the enemy here. I don't believe men are the enemy. I believe the status quo is the enemy. And we are questioning how we're doing things. It's a great time for a shakeup in hiring practices and right across the board. So I'm Carrie and I'm done speaking for now. And I think Carrie's absolutely right. You know, one of the things that we really need to look at is how do we quantify um, the impact to the companies? Um, you know, I mentioned this Women's Leadership Institute in Utah, and what really spurred it was that they ended up ranking second to worst in the country, in the U.S., for the gender pay gap. Um, where women in Utah were making $39,000 a year, where men were making $57,000 a year. And when that hit the national headlines and wanting to do economic development strongly in Utah, that they felt wasn't a really good image for them to have. And so, you know, it was, it was that data that really was the precipice for creating an organization to help effectuate change get women leaders into both companies as well as politics. And, um, you know, I think that's just one data point, but maybe, uh, ladies, I'd love to hear from you. What are some of the other data points that can help tell the story of the impact women have on our economies? I wonder, I've been thinking lately, should we be looking at how the impact on women actually impact men? Uh, so, for example, in the case of uh, the COVID impacts on women, you've got all these women stepping back from professions and businesses that they created. 
And if they have to step back and they're not able to get back into the workforce for two, three years, what situation are we going to be in three years? Um, is there going to be a higher um, higher percentage of men that are going to need to carry the financial burden for the household? Um, I wonder if that would speak better to people who are trying to understand why this uh, issue impacts them if, if they're not if they're not a woman. If I might uh, uh, speak on on this, I, I love all the conversation that's happening uh, today. It's Sue Sutcliffe, by the way. Um, I feel like um, this is there's never been a better time for for us to address this. So this is a great topic. I also feel that it really comes down to something fundamental, which which, and and I think uh, going back to um, the the you know what what's happening in and around anti-racism, anti-systematic racism, it's actually the same issue. Uh, blacks, people of color, uh, women, any anybody that's marginalized, it's, it's, it's about human rights. It's about, um, you know, doing things the fair way and not, you know, and, and abandoning the privilege that we've had. So Dan, you know, I feel for you and every time you've said, just tell me what, I get that because, you know, as a young bride, I had horrible fights with my husband and I wanted my husband to buy me flowers. I, I, I want him to buy me flowers and he didn't and I would get upset. And as a mature wife, um, I realized, uh, you know, we finally got to the point in our relationship where he said, look, just tell me what you want and I want it. And, I, and as a young bride, I said, well, I don't want to tell you that it takes the romance away. But, you know, the fact of it is, is that we, we have to advocate for ourselves. And I think and, and, and as far as what what a man can do. I think all of us, all, each and every one of us in the in the in the room today, should be looking around at who we're surrounded with, because um, and 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 saying, is it diverse? Do we have do we have young? Do we have old? Do we have you know people that are black, people of color, people that are white? Do we have men and women? Do we have uh, people LGBT? Are they represented? Because Honestly, it's, it's, I think it's about diversity and I think the fight is on now. So if I had to answer that question with, I would say, let's support the actions that are there right now for diversity, because at least in Durham region where I run my business, each of the various municipalities are, are working and they're creating these uh, task force around diversity. That is, uh, you know, diversity includes women. Let's just back it. I, uh, that, Sue Suckliff and, and I'm finished. Thank you. Thank you, Sue. That was great. Uh, I'd love to hear some more comments on that. I do notice that uh, Jimmy has been uh, perhaps patiently waiting, and I don't know if you wanted to chime into the conversation. Uh, feel free to share your thoughts, uh, either in response to Sue or other things you'd like to share with us. Thank you. Hello. I'm, I'm actually glad you didn't call on me until now because I've had I've been doing some other things, but listening um, to you, ladies and gentlemen, and you're you're all spot on, and you're all bringing up a lot of good points. But I'm going to bring an unpopular opinion just right quick since we're having this in the shift to um, in the shift to sort of bring women to the forefront. I think what also has happened and what I notice happening in the media, especially like just watch any commercial and you will see it. It's all about women. And I feel like men are made to look like the villain and they're made to look stupid. And 
I don't like that in the whole shift of things. I mean, I believe that we're, we're equal, but I don't think that you make us look more equal by making someone else look less equal. And so, and, and you really notice that if you'll watch an old movie or something, you know, you can kind of see the, in old commercials, you, you can see how things are portrayed differently. And it's progress on one hand, but I don't like, you know, I have a son, so I don't like that we've demasculined, I can't even say the word, but we've demasculined our men to some extent. I, I don't like that. But I live in Texas, and so we're still um, strong men, cowboys. I mean, not everybody's a cowboy in Texas, but, you know, we still have a lot of that mentality. And it comes, it, it's good and bad. You know, we have a lot of the, the strong men and in our in our environment and they probably don't let women lead as well as they should and it's shifting like it is everywhere um but just just a, just something that i've noticed over the years of sort of watching women evolve which which is fantastic but i just don't like the fact that we're doing it at the cost of our men because men definitely play a role and it's an important role so i'm jimmy and that's all and I'll just hop right in because I'm totally mindful of the time, Dan. I know you've got your eye on it, too. And just mention that, that that's a valid point. And that's why it's so important to realize that men are not the enemy. The status quo is the enemy. And I can't say that enough because as long as we are person against person and we're not on the same team, it's never going to move ahead, right? If one person feels they're losing power, and this is all about, you know, it's about putting up equality of power here. I mean, it's never going to move, the movement will never move ahead, whether that's for um, our, our black brothers and sisters, LGBTQ, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, we have to look at why the systems are like they are, who built them, for whom are they uh, built, and questioning um, is this the world we want to live in today? I'm Carrie, and I'm done speaking. Thank you, Carrie. Um, we are ending in about six minutes or so, so I don't think we need to wrap up quite yet. We can use a little trick called popcorn, which is if anybody else has anything they'd like to say and or come up to the stage, Press your speaker slowly and uh, please contribute. Uh, I, I don't know, Lara, if you are demonstrating or if you want to speak. I'm gonna, no. I'm gonna go off. <laughs> merely demonstrating, Dan. Merely demonstrating. But ladies, who would like to add to our conversation? Emily, why don't you step on and share with us your thoughts? helping us to maybe wrap up today's conversation. Yeah, I guess what I see, and maybe this is my frustration with conversations like this in general, I don't see a lot of progress from it. I want, like, obviously I do have to stand up for myself when I am talked over and completely ignored by men who in a meeting. I just don't know if the focus on women should be like this or men should be like this is something we should be talking about maybe just treating each other with common human decency like i i am all for women's rights i am all for this and i just i just don't know if i like it anymore so i just don't see anything happening i like the radical candor approach um that's a book that i've been meaning to read for a while but as long as we're just focusing on women in economic development apart from some 
I just don't see much progress being made and maybe trying to move past it. Like, yeah. And Emily, I'm, I'll jump in because I've been in economic development now for 25 years. Um, and when I first started in this profession, I would walk into a room and I would be the only woman in the room. And I was all of 20 something. So I had two strikes against me, right? I was a woman that was a young professional. Um, and it's been really exciting to, for me to see how many women have joined this profession. Um, and, you know, I would like to think it was the woman who trailblazed before I arrived. And I'm hoping that I can leave a legacy on the young professionals who are coming up behind us. And, and you're right, it is slightly frustrating that here I am 25 years into this field, and I still see some of the challenges I faced as a young professional. But I will tell everyone, it has gotten so much better. Is it perfect? No, that's why we're still talking about it. But we have made great strides. There are more women in this profession. There is conversations taking place about the inequity of how we're treated. Um, you know, I think that we talk more about opportunity as women, we're talking about salary and how to negotiate. And so there has been a lot of progress made. Sure, there's still work to be done. And I'm excited to see where we can continue to bring this profession, not just as women, but really as a profession. And I think that's where it's important. I love having people like you to look up to since we had the Young Professionals mentoring session back at IEDC. I just don't think telling people to police their language is going to be very useful. And we should be thinking about things like negotiating, making sure you have a representative board, making sure that you're empowering other women in your conversations, like making sure that everyone speaks at your board meeting. If you think the hospital director might have a good point, but she's being quiet. Yes, there can be talks about language and editing, but I feel like it's just more, maybe it's my frustration about I just want to do things instead of read things at this point, but concrete actions as opposed to language, because concrete actions are what's going to make a difference. And I do believe that women have some certain skills that have been missing in the male-dominated fields that, like care and nurture, that need to be brought to the table and treated with the same amount of respect that the deal-making history of men has. That that's great. Um, I'm I, I'm loving the the insight uh, from, as a man to hear some of the women's challenges. I'm I'm frustrated, like you, Emily, that there are these challenges. And, and then it takes a while. I'm gonna, before I sign off, just do one last popcorn if anyone else wants to make any comments and then we're gonna call it a, call it a day. Uh, Dan, I would, I, this is Sue Sutcliffe and I'd just like to say thank you for starting this conversation. I think, I think we, the world needs more people like you who are open-minded and, um, and, and going for the greater good. Um, I've enjoyed the conversation, got lots of great resources. Thank you, everyone. Thanks, Sue. Oh, go ahead, Laura, please. I was just gonna, I was just gonna echo that. I think that uh, having the male perspective at these uh, discussions is important. 
And I think that having uh, both you and Bob as allies is really important as well. So thank you. Great. I'm going to do a, a really micro summary. So I think what I heard is uh, clearly uh, there's still an issue uh, of, um, I'm going to call it lack of awareness. There's probably also awareness and lack of civility, for lack of a better term. There's both. On the one hand, from Lara, we've heard there's been a lot of progress. Uh, a little bit, I'm going to blend a little bit of Bob and a little bit of Emily here. Emily is, my theme for you, Emily, is we're not going to take it. And I mean that uh, sincerely, meaning, all right, enough already. Enough words, more action. And I think partly what Bob was saying is kind of the same thing, is we need to make this experiential. So... Um, and, and then maybe building a little bit on what Sue was saying is Black Lives Matter, diversity, inclusion, LGBTQ. There is a momentum already about diversity uh, of which, uh, for better or for worse, uh, you know, women are, are part of that. So there is some action happening. Um, so it's been a great conversation. Thank you so much for allowing Bob and I as males to host this event. And uh, thank you for showing up and being very active and also respectful and, and not beating us up. Thank you, Carrie, for pointing out that we are not the enemy. It's the status quo. And uh, we're going to wrap it up. You're welcome to make any closing comments uh, as we go. But I'm, I'm done speaking. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, everyone. And just a friendly reminder that this club meets every Wednesday at noon. And every Friday at 3, we have some incredible content coming up. So please, please, please add this to your calendar as a reoccurring event. And we will look forward to seeing you next Wednesday at noon. Bye, everybody. Thank you so much. Thanks, Thanks everybody. Thank you. Bye.